Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight we're going to continue in our study on fear. And really what I did was, I did it on purpose. <laughs> Y'all believe that, won't you? Oh, yeah. I did it on purpose to make you want to, those that normally don't hear what we pre- I preach on Sunday night, to hear what I preach, I preach it on Sunday morning so that they'll enjoy it. No, I can't get away with it. I, can't. <laughs> I tried, I tried. We're talking about the study on fear and... Uh, this has been a, uh, a helpful study, I hope, to you in that we've addressed several different fears that we encounter in our life. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about a fear that is probably everyone's fear, at least for the majority of our life. I think all of us get to the point, maybe, I don't know, I haven't gotten there yet, so I, I don't know, but I've heard of people say, that they don't have this fear any longer, but it's the fear of death. I think uh, I can recall a time when there's two dates in your life that are important. Of course, the first date is the date of your birth. Mine's May 26th. If you want to give me any presents, that's fine. Uh, May 26th is my birthday. Um, It'll be a Sunday this year, so if you want to make a cake, that'll be great. Uh, no. I'm I'm kidding. I am kidding. Uh, there you go. There you go. Make me a zucchini casserole. That'll that'll be better for me. Um, but uh, uh, May 26th is my birthday, and it's the date that the first date that is important to you, your date of birth. The second date of most importance in your life is the date you die. The date that it all comes to an end. And for a lot of us, I know for me, as especially I can remember as a child, thinking uh, when I had someone in my life to pass away, uh, the first person in my life that passed away of real significance was my grandfather on my dad's side. And I can remember as a child, uh, my grandfather was born in um, the 1800s. He was born in 1899. And uh, he passed away in 1976. And I can remember it uh, because of the fact that uh, at at such a young age, I marveled at the idea of all the things that transpired during his lifetime. Uh, it, it, It fascinated me at eight years old that my grandfather was born during a time when the greatest mode of transportation was horseback, and the fastest that anyone went was on a train, a locomotive, not even a, a diesel train like we have today, but a locomotive. And he lived all the way through a period of time in which man not only went much faster, but went beyond the bounds of this earth and went uh, uh, and explored the heavens. And man stood on uh, what it must have been like to live during the time where you... Uh, knew what it was like to be limited to a horse horsepower and then also see man step on the moon and to see the amazing power of rocketry 
and to uh, the uh, amazing speeds that were involved with that kind of transportation. And that's just one of many <laughs> innovations. The innovations in, in medicine that happened during his lifetime. And the changes in communication. I guess there'll be at some point uh, a, a child in some distant time, hopefully a long time, that will marvel at the fact that I grew up during a time where uh, people primarily communicated with a telephone that was wired into a wall. And then they will marvel at the innovations of communication that happened during their lifetime and my lifetime in which they will marvel at their grandfather uh, that uh, passed away that that lived from the, te- the a- day and age of regular communication on a telephone connected to a wire to whatever it is at that time. We've already seen tremendous changes. I mean, who would have ever thought that we would have a way of communicating with somebody just about anywhere on this world from anywhere on this world. There's just about no place... I mean, for the most part, we... Well, I've been in some places where (laughs) cell towers are few and far between. Uh, Out in the country, you you live in a lot of places where you can't really get a good cell signal, but we live close enough to where we carry them around, don't we? And to think that we we carry around a, a device that has more computing power than... Uh, the computing power that was necessary to send man to the moon. Uh, the, the rockets that, that sent those men into space had computers on them and computers in NASA that this little tiny device outpowers uh, any of that. So we we live in a day and age where there's a lot of things that have changed in our lifetime. But without a doubt, the thing that that most people are afraid of more than anything is the day they'll die. Most of us deal with it by not thinking about it. I've been told that in surveys of people that the thing that I'm doing right now, speaking in front of a group of people, is the thing that most people are afraid of, even more so than death. But I think most of us uh, would fear uh, if we stared death in the face that we would fear death more than than anything else. Um, and death is something that uh, we all must face uh, unless Jesus Christ returns during our lifetime. But for most, uh, for everyone who's lived on this earth so far, no one has lived to the point in which Jesus Christ has returned uh, to take us home. And so uh, tonight I want to look at a passage of Scripture that maybe is already going through your mind. Uh, It's a passage of Scripture that's found in Hebrews chapter 9. And it is a passage of Scripture that deals with uh, this issue of death and how we can overcome that fear. Hebrews chapter 9, and the book of Hebrews is uh, Paul's letter. Uh, uh, well, really, it's a, it's a letter to uh, 
uh, to his own people, to the Hebrew nation. Um, it is a, it is a, uh, it is a letter that is seeking to reach the Hebrew people. Because Paul's coming to the end of his life, he's coming to a point in which he does not feel like he's going to be able to to reach his uh, own countrymen. He's taking the time to write to the Hebrew people. Paul's ministry primarily was focused on the uh, um, Gentiles, reaching out to people that lived in other places. And uh, Paul's desire was that his own people would hear the message of Christ and accept Him. And one of the key things uh, that Paul had to do was to try and go beyond the ritualistic way of worship that uh, and people today think, well, we can't possibly get into that habit of of worshiping and allowing our worship to become our God. But but for a lot of people, that that's what worship today has even become. Paul was dealing with a group of people that basically their whole idea of of their relationship with God was was wrapped up in the traditions of worship. Uh, going to the temple, making a sacrifice, uh, doing the ritualistic things of keeping clean and following the, uh, the different feasts and observing those feasts was all a part of how they felt like they connected with God. And God instituted those activities and those things to help the Hebrew people to understand their relationship to God, but they failed to to they failed in that they began to allow that ritualistic uh, way of worship to become the summation of their relationship to God. And we have people today that do the very same thing. It's not just in the Jewish tradition, but in the Christian tradition. You'll ask people, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And the first thing they'll say is, oh yeah, I'm a member at... And they'll name the name of the church. And you'll say, well, do you have a relationship with Jesus? No, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, yeah, I go to church every Sunday. You see what I'm saying? People equate their membership in church, they equate their attendance in church to their relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is trying to help the Hebrew people to understand and helping us today to understand that our relationship with Jesus Christ and our relationship to God uh, is not one and the same with the tradition of how we worship. How we worship is how we relate to God, but how we worship is not our relationship to God. And the Hebrew people, part of their tradition was the tradition of sacrifice. Now, we don't talk about sacrifice in our church today because of the fact that we don't believe that we must give a sacrifice every so often for our sins. We don't, we don't come up here and we don't slaughter a lamb and have 
the priest or the uh, the uh, 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 clergy to uh, take the blood and sprinkle it on us. We don't go around with blood on our earlobes and on our uh, big toe. We don't uh, smear blood on an altar. We don't then uh, burn the, the sacrifice on an altar until it turns to ashes. We don't do that. Why? Because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And all of that changed when Jesus Christ came into uh, our Life and when he sacrificed himself on the cross. We all understand that. We know that. But Paul's writing to a group of people that don't get that yet because it's just happened. Paul is living during a time that is not really a generation after the uh, apostles. He's still living during a time of the apostles, but he's living right after uh, he's come to... Uh, know Jesus Christ after the death, burial, and resurrection. And so Paul is unable to uh, speak to the, the people of... Uh, he's not a part of, of listening to Jesus and, and being there as an apostle, but he lives during the time in which he is considered an apostle after the fact uh, because he, he feels... He, he experienced Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He uh, was called of Jesus Christ, and so uh, he is still living during that time. But uh, he's trying to explain to the people of Israel, to the Jew- his countrymen, uh, what Jesus has done is to change all the, the rules, change all the, the circumstance. We understand today... You're all looking at me like, kind of like, what, what's, what's going on here? Um, we live during a time when if I said, okay, we're going to have a sacrifice on an altar, we're going to build an altar here and we're going to have a sacrifice, you'd say, what would you say? You'd say, Pastor, that's not necessary. Why? Because Jesus paid the sacrifice. And that's what Paul's talking about in Scripture right here. Paul says in verse 27, As it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that took for him um, shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Now, all of chapter 9 in Hebrews is dealing with the fact of why the children of Israel would, from time to time, offer a sacrifice. And he gets into great detail in that the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies one time a year. And that one time a year was to make atonement for the nation of Israel. A red heifer would be offered on to the altar as a sacrifice for the people of Israel. And uh, after that sacrifice was made, the, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would enter into the Holy of Holies with a cord wrapped around his foot. His garments would have bells on them and he would constantly stay in movement. He'd be kind of like a charismatic person, always moving around. Why? So those bells are jingling. Why? Because no one else was allowed in the Holy of Holies and the other priests would be listening at the veil. And they would listen to hear those bells ringing. And as long as those bells were ringing, it meant what? 
it meant that the high priest was still alive. At least that he was kicking and jerking. And he would be in there, and he, and if, but if he had sin in his life, and if he went in and allowed sin in, in, uh, in his life while he was in the Holy of Holies, because the Holy of Holies was so holy, this is the presence of God. He was entering into the presence of God. If he had sin in his life at that moment, then God would strike him dead. That's where the bells come in again. If, the, if he was struck dead, the bells would cease. That's why the rope was tied around his ankle. Because if he was, uh, if he was struck dead by God, nobody else could go in. They'd have to pull him out with that rope to get him out of the Holy of Holies. Why? Because this is the Holy of Holies. This is the most holy place. Now, to understand that a little bit better into context, you have to remember the makeup of the tabernacle or the temple. And the temple had various levels. You, everybody that was, a, uh, a, was allowed into the first uh, court, and that was called the court of Gentiles. And that's when any, where anybody could go in. Men and women both could go into the court of Gentiles. And this was a place where if you were a Gentile like we are, and you came to understand and know that Yahweh was the God, uh, the God of Abraham was the God that we were to worship, you would uh, be allowed into this area and you could worship God there. Um, and you could, you could only go that far because you were not of God's chosen people. Then you had uh, the court of men. Only Jewish men could go into that place. And that was uh, why. Because they were of the chosen nation. They were allowed in there and they were allowed a little bit closer to the place in which God was residing uh, in the Holy of Holies. Then you had uh, the uh, holy place. This was the uh, place in which only the priests were allowed to go in. And this was uh, a little bit closer to where uh, the, uh, God was, but it, it, and it was restricted to only those who are of the priestly line. And you could not go in there unless you were a, a priest. And again, as I said, uh, just beyond there was the Holy of Holies. And each progression was to symbolize a holier place than the last getting closer and closer to the holiness of God. And uh, Paul here has been telling about, talking about that in the previous chapters of, of Hebrews. And he's trying to make to the point that, uh, okay, throughout the year the, the Israelites would make sacrifices and those sacrifices had to be repeated. Why? Because that sacrifice was not sufficient to meet the need. The sacrifice was a lamb or a, a bullock or was uh, some other sacrifice that was made. And it was made temporally. It was made for a short period of time because that sacrifice was insufficient to meet the necessary payment for that sin. That sin in our life uh, was uh, met in that sacrifice, but as we sin more and as we did other things, another sacrifice had to be made. Then Paul said, 
that Jesus made a once and all and for all sacrifice. A sacrifice that was made on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus doesn't have to continue to make another sacrifice year after year or again and again for us because why? His sacrifice was once and for all, made for all mankind So, because it was the perfect sacrifice. And in talking about all of that, Paul then says, and man... After that sacrifice was made once and for all, man has one life. And he says, It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The judgment is what Paul has been driving at all along, time and time again. He says, This is the final place. And after all of us, We will all die, but even if we don't all die, we will all be judged. He says, man has one life to live, and after that life comes the judgment. And I had had an epiphany. (laughs) God revealed, uh, I realized something. God revealed something in my study uh, that that I had not realized the reason why there are atheists in this world and the reason why uh, we have people that want to deny the existence of God is... And, and I, I, I remember thinking about this at some other point and it reminded me of this, is that the reason that there are people who deny God and deny the existence of God is because they do not want to be judged. The whole desire is of mankind is is to avoid judgment. And the reason they are atheists is because they don't want to admit to the fact that there is one who will judge them someday. And so, if I deny, if if I'm an atheist, I want to deny the existence of God because in doing so, I deny the existence of a judge that will judge me someday for the things that I do. And they want to make out like we're all uh, believing in fairy tales and we're all believing in things that don't exist. Why? Because they want to deny the existence of God so that they can deny the existence of that judge judgment that will come. And Paul says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, we all will live one life. We only live one life. And the atheist wants to say that's all there is, is just this one life. But Paul... Uh, is writing here and he said God tells us that there is not only a life that we will live but we will all come to that point in which we will die and, and we will come to a judgment following that life and here's how we can avoid a fear of death we're finally getting around to overcoming that fear we avoid the fear of death when we we know that there's coming judgment, that there's something after our life. And the reason that we fear death is many times is, is that we don't know what is to come. God here is telling us that there is a judgment that is coming and we don't have to fear that judgment. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear that coming judgment because He says Jesus Christ died for us. 
because Jesus Christ died for us. He took the punishment, the penalty of our sin. He took the judgment for us. He says in verse 28, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Jesus Christ died to take my place in that seat of judgment, to take, to stand in my place. The Bible tells us that that Jesus is uh, will act as our. It's like when we come before a, a judge and we are standing there, and the police officer called us. I don't know, driving through a, a, a red light. And yet we decided that we wanted to take it to court. We don't want to. We don't want to pay the penalty. We don't want to pay the fine. And we we believe that we can get out of it because we feel like uh, the uh, police officer accused us unjustly. Uh, in fact, one time I I had uh, I received a, a letter from the city of Savannah, and. The city of Savannah was charging me with one of those red light cameras. They said I'd run a red light and they had a picture of my car uh, going through the red light. They had a picture of the license plate and the license plate was uh, registered to a car that was very that was a Ford Explorer. Problem was the Ford Explorer in the car, in the picture was a Ford Explorer. It was 2006 or 2009, something like that. Mine's a 2000, and the tag on the car was very close to my for to my license tag. But the problem was that it was off by one number. It wasn't my tag. It was somebody else's tag that was very close. The person reading the the red light camera photo read the wrong number, entered my license tag, and I said, this isn't my car. It's not my tag. I'm not paying the penalty. And so you go, I didn't have to go to court. All I had to do was contact the police department. But uh, I said, I've not been in Savannah in years. And my car is not that year. I made, pled my case to an officer took care of everything. But let's just say I had to go to the court to stand before a judge for a judge to decide. Police officer could have said, you're crazy. That's not what that number is. That's your, that's your car. You need to come to Savannah and stand uh, in court and make your case to the judge. You didn't pay the penalty, so you're going to have to... And you don't want to pay the penalty, so you come and face the judge. You go stand before the judge, and and in some cases... Now, if this was a murder case or if this was an assault case, I would have hired, would hire a, a, a lawyer, an advocate, to stand and to make my case before the judge. Something as simple as tra- traffic court, you serve as your own uh, uh, lawyer many times, your own uh, spokesman before the court. But the Bible says that we'll all stay in judgment one day. And like in that court, instead of having an earthly lawyer, Jesus Christ will stand at our side. The reason that we don't have to fear death is because when we die and stand before God and He judges us, Jesus will be our advocate. He'll be our uh, like our lawyer. He'll stand there and say... Um, God will say, are you guilty? 
will say guilty. God will say guilty. But Jesus will say, I paid the price. The reason that we don't have to fear death is because Jesus Christ paid the price. He even says it here in verse 28. He says, Christ died once and for all to bear the sins of many. Now to him that looked uh, for him shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. What this part is talking about is talking about the appearance of the second time. Now, the first reason why we don't have to, to fear death is because of the fact that Jesus paid the penalty for us. We don't have to fear judgment because He was uh, died for us and in our place. The third reason why we don't have to fear death is because He's coming again. He's coming again. And He says the, the second appearing. Now, all the Israelites understood the appearing of the high priest after, after the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and made the sacrifice and came out, uh, there would be a, everybody would be watching the, the veil between the holy place and the Holy of Holies. And when the high priest would come out, everyone in Israel would rejoice. Why? Because the sacrifice that was made on behalf of the nation for the atonement of the nation of Israel was accepted because the high priest came out alive. He came out alive and He came out and everyone would rejoice. I think the one rejoicing the most is the high priest. Hey, I made it out alive! But everybody else was, Hey, He made it out alive! Our sacrifice was accepted by God. And so what does that mean? We've been atoned for another year. That atonement was evident in the fact that the high priest come out. Our atonement before God for all eternity is, is made evident in the fact that Jesus Christ will return again. As the high priest came out from the veil of the Holy of Holies from before God, so Jesus Christ will come back and appear once again to bear testimony of the atonement that His sacrifice on the cross was accepted by God as our payment of our sins. And so we can rejoice in the fact that one day Jesus will return and it will be a celebration of the fact that uh, his, the price of our, our atonement was made by Jesus Christ. And so we don't have to fear. You don't have to fear death. We can be like those saints that you've seen and you've witnessed and heard of that when we come to that end of time, that we rejoice that the angels have come to re retrieve us. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of people talk about where they're witnessing the deathbed of some uh, wonderful saint that experiences a, an angel that comes to take them home. I think Jesus will come and take us home. I think my Savior is a personal Savior. He saved me personally. He came to me. The Holy Spirit came to me personally. He didn't send an angel to come and convict me of my sin or to call me to Jesus. The Holy Spirit came. My God's great enough to where Jesus Christ can come and take me or you, a saint, home when we come to the end. I think that we will see 
that wonderful day in which He comes to bring, take us home and we'll rejoice because we will see that our atonement was made in Jesus Christ and, it, and we have been atoned before God. And, we'll, and what does that mean? That means that one day we'll be able to go into the Holy of Holies. We'll be able to enter into the presence of God. Why? Because Jesus allows us to go in. Through His sacrifice, He allows us to gain entrance to the Holy of Holies, to go into the very presence of the Holy God, and allows us to go before Him and to worship Him and to exalt Him and glorify Him and to praise Him for what He has done for us in Jesus Christ. Oh, what a day that will be when we will be in, in His presence. That wonderful hymn that, that we sang. I didn't plan it that way. I just love that song. But we will rejoice in that day in which, when we come face to face with our Lord and Savior. Let's pray.